Jesus tells a story about a rich man in Luke chapter 12. The man is a farmer, and he's doing so well. His, his land has produced so well that he doesn't even know what to do with all the extra. Jesus starts by saying this, a rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store all these crops? Ah, I know what I'll do. I'll do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones and store all my grain and all my goods there. And then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is demanded of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? That's how it will be with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. See, Jesus here, he, he begins to present this idea that somehow you can be wealthy. You can have lots and lots of stuff, but still not be rich. See, the economy of God's kingdom is different from what we've grown accustomed to here. Mark 8.35 says that for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. There's an upside-down nature to God's economy. In, in giving, we receive, right? We find this throughout, throughout Scripture, things like this. In, uh, we lead by serving. In giving up our independence, that's where we truly find freedom. We find our life, true life, by laying our lives down. See, the currency of God's kingdom is different than, than the currency of this world. I want you to think for a second. If um, your boss were to call you into his office and to say, look, I want to give you a promotion. You've earned it. You worked so hard. You've earned this promotion. And it's going to be great. You're going to have new responsibilities. And, and you know what the best part is? We are going to start paying you in Chucky e. Cheese tokens. You'd probably think, oh, are you crazy? There's no, no way am I taking this. There's no way you can just pay me in Chuck E. Cheese tokens. I mean, when I was 10, Chuck E. Cheese tokens were pretty awesome. And, and when you were at Chuck E. Cheese and you had handfuls of tokens, you could have the best time ever. But as soon as you're gone from Chuck E. Cheese, those tokens are worthless. No one else is going to take Chuck E. Cheese tokens. So as an adult, when your boss says, I'm going to pay you in Chuck E. Cheese tokens, you don't want it. It's worthless to you at that point in life. See, the currency of the kingdom is different. Currency really is just a means of ascribing value to something. See, the guy in this story that Jesus is talking about, he has not placed the right value on the right things. And, and my worry is that we can begin to be like him. He's, he's collected a bunch of Chuck E. Cheese tokens, right? He's built a whole new barn for his Chuck E. Cheese tokens. And at the end of the day, they're worthless to him. Are we like that? 
When you put your faith, your trust, your hope in the wrong thing, it leads to something. And, that, and that's going to be what we're talking about today. In Luke 12, he's, he continues on and he says, Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. Another version will say, don't be anxious about your life. What, what we realize is that our wrong valuing or misordering of life leads to anxiety. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Before we get into it, I just want to pray. Lord, uh, I just pray that you would reveal yourself to us this morning. Reveal uh, truth to us. Open our eyes. Open our ears. Love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. So, he says, do not worry. Do not be anxious. You know that the most repeated command in all of Scripture repeated 300, over 365 times in Scripture, is the command to not fear, to not be afraid. Fear not. Why does he repeat this command so often in Scripture? I think we have a fear problem. Humans have a worry problem. We have an anxiety problem. We have a fear problem. That's why we need... Every day of the year, 365 days a year, we need to hear, don't be afraid. You know, fear and anxiety are linked. They're not one and the same, but they're very similar. Fear is, um, is more present tense, while anxiety is future tense. Anxiety tends to, to be a little more nonspecific than fear. Max Lucado says that they're actually close cousins, And he says this, that fear sees threat while anxiety imagines one. Fear screams, get out, while anxiety ponders, what if? Fear results in fight or flight, and anxiety creates doom and gloom. See, we have a worry problem, especially in our day and age of what we're going through today. I mean, we're two days away from one of the craziest elections that you know many people can remember. Um, we're in the midst of a global pandemic. I mean, it was a couple months ago that people were stockpiling toilet paper. That's, an, that's fear, that's anxiety, that's, that's worry. You know, actually 20% of people are diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. It's got the lowest age of onset of any disorder from ages 10 to 12 normally is when the onset of anxiety happens that not all anxiety has a spiritual root. But there's definitely parts of anxiety that are spiritual. And here's what I mean by that. We like to take ourselves and separate uh, our pieces into different pieces, right? We like to say, okay, there's the physical part of me over here, and there is the spiritual part of me, and there's the emotional part of me, and there's like the relational aspect of my life. And these are all different parts of my life. But in reality, they all are interwoven into one another. They all affect the other one. And so when we talk about anxiety, it's very rare that there's just one piece of the puzzle that's causing anxiety. It's very often that the roots have grown together that that actually one will affect the other will affect the other. Here's what I mean. Um, Let's say you came to a therapist, a counselor. My wife's a counselor. 
She's a great one. You can't go see her because you know her. But um, imagine you came to a counselor and you said, okay, I'm struggling with anxiety. And, and you said, I, I have about 12 cups of coffee a day. I sleep about two hours every night. Your therapist would say, okay, well, there, here's the clear problem. You have a physical problem. And, and there's also people who have um, anxiety disorders where their brain produces too much uh, of the chemical that causes that fight or flight reaction, right? And so there's a physical thing going on. But what I'd um, like to offer up is that oftentimes there's more than one cause. There's more than one cause to our anxiety. There's a physical aspect to it. There's an emotional aspect to it. There's a spiritual aspect to it. And so we're going to kind of tackle this spiritual aspect to our anxiety, Philippians, uh, which we read at the beginning of service, in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here's Paul writing, which pretty ironic. He's writing from prison and telling other people not to be anxious. And notice, though, he says, do not be anxious about anything. And he doesn't say, but feel this instead. He doesn't say, don't be anxious, but feel happy. No, he says, do something instead. Don't be anxious, but do something. Remember something. Pray to God. There's, there's an invitation here. And here's what I want us to understand is that this is an invitation. This call to non-anxiousness is an invitation more than it is a rebuke. See, the goal of managing anxiety is not simply for the relief of our anxiety. As Christians, our goal is, is, is to connect more fully with God and to raise awareness of what God is doing. Our anxiety is, is, is simply a roadblock to connecting more fully with God. It's, it's a signal. It's not the root cause. It's not really what's going on. It's the indicator light in the car. It alerts us that something is wrong. I may have misplaced hopes. I may have misplaced fears. I may have become too self-reliant. When what is coming seems too overwhelming to me, what I am doing is my soul is carrying concerns of this world in such a way that I lose perspective on life, and I fail to trust God. See, feeling anxiety is different than being ruled by it. We, we all experience the presence of anxiety, but that doesn't mean we have to live in the prison of anxiety. So in Luke chapter 12, verse 22, Jesus says to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or about your body or what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life since you cannot do this very little thing? Why do you worry about the rest? See, Jesus here, he starts off with this idea 
And he, he says, life is more than just about food and clothes. And you might be thinking, okay, I've never really even had anxiety about where my next meal is coming from. I've never had anxiety about, you know, my clothes. Um, I know that, you know, you couldn't tell because I dress really cool. But I don't really worry that much about what I wear and what I eat. Um, but what he's really addressing here is be careful what value you give certain things. Because the more value you give something, the more fear and anxiety will rule and reign around those things. If I hold on too tightly to something, then fear and anxiety can begin to grip me in that area of my life. Let me give you an example. Money, for example. Money, let's be honest, money is a good thing. It's great to have um, money. I mean, we, we get food with it. We feed our families with it. We uh, pay our rent or our, our mortgage with it. We take care of others with it. I mean, money is a good thing. But if you begin to place too much value on money, if you begin to just hold on to it a little too tight, then fear and anxiety will control your life in that, in that area. I'll give you another example. Um, I drive a just junky Honda Civic. You know, it's, I mean, it gets me from point A to point B, but it's pretty beat up. Uh, the paint is peeling off. It's not very new. Um, and so, to be honest, if you were to go out to my car and key it, I probably wouldn't even notice, right? Now, I have a table saw in my garage that I recently got, and I love it. And it's, it's pretty new, and it was expensive, and you know I got it all nice and clean. Now, if you were to go and even just set your drink down on my table saw, that would really, really bother me. Like, oh my gosh, don't do that. Do not put water on this, my, ba my baby, right? And, and here's the deal. When we start to get nicer things, I feel like we, they begin to own us. And anxiety is really just the great revealer in our hearts of what we've closed our hands too tightly around. It reveals the currency of our hearts. So he starts off, Jesus, and he says, you know, isn't your life more than clothes? Isn't it more about more than just about food? And then he continues, and he says, who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? What he's doing here is he's, he's just doing something very practical. He's saying, what does worrying really accomplish? Right? It's, it's useless. Anxiety doesn't accomplish anything. In fact, it steals from you in the present and accomplishes nothing for the future. You, you still have to deal with tomorrow, and then you've also ruined today. And he talks about the birds, and, and birds work hard, and they give it their all during the day, right? He's not saying be lazy here. He, he's clearly not saying don't prepare, don't um, work hard, don't, you know, get ready for things. But what he is saying is you 
once you've done those things, let it go. Give it, give it to God. Anxiety doesn't accomplish anything. Tim Keller uh, talks about Psalm 42 as being really the instruction on how we deal with our anxiety. Let's read it together. My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you. See, he says there's kind of three parts here to, to begin to deal with our anxiety. The first thing that the psalmist does, the very first thing he does is he begins to pour out his soul. And this really is a godly, ancient version of getting in touch with your feelings. It's not ignoring your feelings, and it's not overindulging in your feelings. It's not saying, okay, just stop being anxious, stuff it down deep, and, and, and just numb, right? My wife always says, you know, you can't just selectively numb emotions. And so if you're going to numb your anxiety and your fear just by pure will, you're going to numb all other parts of your life. So he doesn't say that, but he says, I'm, I'm going to investigate. I'm going to begin to uncover. I'm going to begin to pour out my soul, but, the, but it doesn't stop there. That's not the end goal. He, he listens to himself, but then he begins to speak to himself. He begins this self-dialogue, and this is where I really think the key is, this speaking to yourself versus listening to yourself. This is, this is the key. When we get this, um, he, he says, that why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed? Who is he talking to here? Who is the psalmist talking to? He is talking to himself. What he's saying here is self. Why are you so downcast? Why are you so anxious, self? Let me tell you, self, what you ought to do. He's talking to himself instead of listening to himself. All day we're, we're having thoughts, and we can either listen to those thoughts or we can talk to those thoughts. Uh, Pastor Martin Lloyd-Jones actually said it perfectly, so I'm going to read what he said. The first thing we have to learn is what the psalmist learned. We must learn to take ourselves in hand. He is talking to himself. He is addressing himself. It is important to see that this is not the same as morbidity and introspection. We must talk to ourselves instead of allowing ourselves to talk to us. In spiritual depression, we allow ourselves to talk to us instead of talking to ourselves. Am I being deliberately paradoxical? Far from it. This is the very essence of wisdom in this matter. Have you realized that so much of the unhappiness in your life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? So this man stands up and says, self, listen for a moment. 
then you must go on to remind yourself of who God is and what God is and what God has done and what God has pledged himself to do. Then end on this great note. Defy yourself and defy other people and defy the devil in the whole world and say with the man, I shall yet praise him for he is my God. What he's saying here is that if we simply listen to our hearts, we will hear all sorts of panicky things. Oh, no, that's going to go bad. Oh, no, don't do that. Don't do this. Oh, gosh, what, what could go wrong next? Our, our emotions, our thoughts can begin to rule us. But what we need to do is preach to our hearts daily. We need to be the ones controlling the narrative. We need to be speaking to ourselves more than listening to ourselves. The beautiful thing is as Romans 8, 16 states, the spirit himself, God's spirit himself, testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. See, the Holy Spirit has the power to transform our thinking. And so we're not just, you know, trying to be positive and saying, no, Tyler, you're awesome. No, but what's actually happening is that God's spirit that's within us is also testifying along with our spirit as we talk to ourselves, as we preach the gospel to ourselves, as we remind ourselves of who God is, and we take back the narrative, and we begin exchanging the currency of our heart. And then he, he ends, in that verse 6 part, he says, Therefore, I remember you. This is so important, third part is to remember. I think we have this sort of spiritual amnesia. We have this forgetting problem. That's why fear not is in the, the Bible so many times because we need to hear it over and over and over. We've been going through judges in our men's Bible study and there's this cycle that happens that the people turn their backs on God, they forget about him, and then Bad things happen, and then they cry out to God, and then they follow God, and then they forget about it again. And it happens over and over and over and over and over through Scripture. And it happens over and over and over in our lives where we have a spiritual amnesia, and we need to continue daily to, to preach to ourselves who God is, who he says he is, what he says he will do. We must remember that God is Emmanuel. He is with us. He's gone through it. He's been through the storm. Really, the thing that should give us eternal anxiety, the thing that should give us eternal worry and fear has been defeated by Jesus on the cross. Let's exchange the fear and the anxiety and the worry of our lives for the peace that surpasses understanding. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us your son. For calling us out of anxiety. For the invitation to live a new way. Lord, I, I pray that 
we would begin to see how good you are. We would learn to to talk to ourselves rather than listen to ourselves. And as we talk to ourselves, we would speak your truth, the truth about who you are and how you love us and how you take care of us. Lord, uh, I, I pray that we would hear your words. Do not fear. Do not be anxious. And we would gladly step into those and the life that you offer. In the name we pray. Amen.